Welcome to the Voices of Wall Street podcast, a show uncovering the news and trends that matter most for companies and their stocks across technology, media, retail, gaming, and more. I'm Tim Stenevec. Rare earths, despite the name, are, well, not so rare, and they're extremely relevant these days. They make for a really high-powered, lightweight magnet, and they're a critical component to electronics and electrification. So what that means is they're really important to things like smartphones, electric vehicles, drones, and military applications. Rare earths have become politically charged, though, because they find themselves at the center of the trade war drama between the U.S. and China. China has come to dominate the rare earths supply chain, and the U.S. really wants to win it back. MP Materials is a leading U.S. rare earths company and is a key part of that mission. We spoke to Jim Latinsky, who's the chairman and CEO of MP Materials, about the company's vision to make the U.S. a leader in the rare earths industry and how a Trump re-election would affect the company compared to a Biden victory. So due to Trump's America First narrative and also Biden's push for a climate change plan, Jim sees it as a win-win scenario for his company. Here's my chat with Jim Latinsky, chairman and CEO of MP Materials. Jim, it is awesome to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tim. Awesome to be here. So this is a this is a, a rare treat for us because so often we talk to analysts and, and people who are outsiders at companies, people who are who are closely monitoring stock prices. But you're the chairman and, and, and CEO of a mining company. Uh, so give us the story about how you ended up in this position because you used to run a hedge fund. You're not you're not like a miner. No, I have zero experience in mining. And I, I would say, though, up front, we, we really don't view ourselves as a mining company. We, we, and we'll get into the mechanics of rare earths in particular, but they're really much closer to a specialty material. Uh, so we view ourselves closer to a specialty materials or chemical company, but we certainly do have a big mind. So I, I have to admit that. But it's actually a really uh, fascinating story of, of sort of accident and luck. Uh, um, so... I've, as you said, I've been running an investment firm for a number of years uh, for since back in 06. And um, we were thematic. And in 2014, we were uh, short a lot of energy. And the reason we were short a lot of energy is we had sort of a, a kind of double-sided view, if you will, that one, OPEC was in the process of breaking. You could kind of see all that um, supply coming from the threat of shale and, and some of the the talk that was going on, uh, as well as the rise of the electric vehicle. I think Tesla's success and some of the mandates out of China and Europe uh, and, and the concerns about climate change and, and the reality that the world is getting electrified. Um, you know, we believe that oil was secularly challenged. And this is obviously, you know, sort of seems somewhat obvious now, but this was five or six years ago, six years ago. Um, and so we, we were looking in early 2015, uh, which, you know, that, as you know, was turned out to be a successful opportunity for us to kind of be bearish on energy. We were looking for um, commodities, babies with the bathwater, you know, commodities that weren't oil, that were in a bear market, that maybe there were some assets that that were kind of sold off with everything else. And we came across Mollycorp. And for those of you who don't remember Mollycorp, it was a public company. Um, and it was, it was kind of a loved retail stock of its day. It was really, um, you know, it was, it was a, pride and joy in a sense, um, because it was the thesis at the time 
you know, I jokingly call it, it was like the pets.com of the electrification uh, from materials for electrification movement, because the thesis of the company at the time was to make the materials for um, electric vehicles, wind turbines, you know, the, the clean applications. And we'll get into to more about rare earths and, and why they're critical for all of those. But it was to make the materials for all of those. And it was to free our supply chain from China, which at the time dominated um, dominated the, the supply chain for that. And anyway, the, it was a high-flying stock. They were building a state-of-the-art environmentally friendly plant. We can talk about the sustainability aspects of our site. Um, but, but long story short, they spent too much money, uh, were over-levered, and ultimately ended up in bankruptcy. And by the time um, we were looking at it in 2015, the bonds were trading at 40 cents on the dollar. It was heavily distressed, and it was about to go bankrupt. Uh, frankly, so was it, it was it was yeah. why why was it why was it an attractive asset for you? So we viewed it to be an attractive asset because at the time um, we thought we were uh, purchasing this world class asset. You know, this is a for in the rare I, the analogy I like to use is if it were oil, this would be Saudi Arabia. It's it, the ore body is it's um, the concentration of rare earths in Mountain Pass, California. Uh, and Tim, as we've joked. Um, this is this site is 50 minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. It's right off of I-15. You right, can it's in California, it the but, it's, but it's very close to Las Vegas. Yes, and I jokingly say it's if you've seen the movie Swingers, it's kind of like where they get out of the car, you know, to relieve themselves. It's um, it's right there off the highway. Uh, yeah, pets.com um, pets and and Swingers. You're taking us all back to the 90s. Yeah, all back to the 90s, right? Yeah, a little bit of internet 1.0, 2.0 fun, I guess. But um, so. Uh, so anyway, this you know site is is world class, but they they messed up the company and, and failed to execute. And when we came in, frankly, we never thought that we would end up owning it. Um, it was it it there were creditors behind us, and we thought that they would end up owning it. But cycles are what they are, and this went into freefall. And the next thing we knew, we were on the courthouse steps. Not a single financial or strategic buyer showed up to take control of this asset because everybody thought that the Chinese were just too competitive, that the Chinese were too low cost and that no one could make this site successful. And so we kicked in a couple million bucks to keep, to literally keep the eight people in care maintenance so that the site didn't lose its permit and go into reclamation, which means they raised the site to the ground and it would have been essentially gone forever. Um, and so we kicked in the money and tried to figure it out. Um, and, um, and that's really how we ended up, uh, with this thing. It was, it was, um, a, you know, a saga to say the least. And we just couldn't, at the time, I, I remember seeing this thing and realizing the importance for national security and also, frankly, the importance for um, fighting climate change, sustainability, all of these things that power the green revolution, electric vehicles, to think that this world-class asset in the United States of America was essentially going to be shut down and lost forever. Um, you know, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. So we kicked in some money and, and tried to figure it out. So let's take a step back and, and, and really explain what rare earths are for, for the uninitiated. Absolutely. So rare earths are, they're a set of um, chemical elements at the bottom of the periodic table. So if you probably, many of your listeners probably haven't looked at a periodic table since high school chem. I don't think I had when I started uh, this quest several years ago. Um, but they're at the bottom of the periodic table and um, essentially they have special properties. Uh, for the um, for the most part, what makes them relevant today is they're magnetic, and so they make for really high-powered, lightweight magnets. And so, when you think about 
you know, people talk about electric vehicles. There's lots of discussion about how those batteries will work or will they be solid state batteries or capacitors, you know, what mix of materials they'll be. But but all, no matter how the energy gets to the motor, the way the motor moves um, is a magnet. And we actually have a Nikola Tesla quote on our website that essentially um, says you know, when the telephone and motion picture camera are long obsolete, the concept of the magnetic field will be hmm. critical for you know a thousand years to come. And and so we we love that quote. Uh, but but um and so the mag magnets are really important to any kind of electrification. Again, um, electric vehicles, wind turbines, drones, robots. Also, military applications like, um, you know, rail guns. There's actually, if you if you saw that uh, cool Netflix movie, Six Underground, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, he has a magnetic weapon on his iPhone. I'm sure that'll exist in some day, you know, <laughs> at some point in the future. But so, um, so NDPR, uh, neodymium, praseodymium, those are two rare earths, and that is our core product. Those two rare earths are get made into the most um, common, high-powered, ultra-efficient magnets. Um, that that really are essentially responsible for motion in the 21st century. Okay, and, and as you mentioned, China absolutely dominates when it comes to production of rare earths. Part of your mission is to return yes. the full rare earth supply chain to the U.S. Why does China dominate? How did the U.S. get so far behind? And and how much of this just has to do with geography? You know, rare earths. China's lucky because rare earths are, are present in, in land that is part of, of China versus not all over the United States. Is that a part of it? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing about rare earths is they're actually not rare. Kind of the joke in the industry is rare earths are not rare. <laughs> What's rare is the, uh, is the concentration of them um, and the ability to process them. And so if you have a backyard with rocks in it, you have rare earths, but it just has a very small percentage. You need a very high percentage because unlike a typical commodity like nickel or copper, um, pro because rare earths are so far down on the periodic table, they're very close together and they're very hard to separate. And the historical methodologies are very environmentally destructive. They involve lots of energy and reagents and acid. And so the U.S. actually led this site, Mountain Pass, was the leader for decades, the site that MP materials that we control led for decades. In the 90s, um, the Chinese decided to take over the industry. They saw the strategic importance. Uh, there's a famous Deng Xiaoping quote, uh, the Mideast has oil, China has rare earths. And so the Chinese government very, uh, frankly, very intelligently threw a lot of capital and uh, allowed us or essentially had no environmental restrictions. And over a period of a decade or two, they took over the industry to the point where they're able to provide um, materials at a very low price because the environmental externalities are not considered. Um, and that, that's something I think we should get into because I, I think we all as Americans really appreciate companies like Tesla and Apple for what they do in sustainability. But I, I wonder if a lot of people know that when you buy your Tesla or your Apple iPhone, um, that the rare earths inside those um, those magnets are typically made in China and, and are often environmentally uh, destructive. And, and so I think we need to do more to uh, figure out how to uh, focus on sustainability upstream in the supply chain. And companies like ours are part of that solution. So to answer your question, we're, we want to be a state-of-the-art, environmentally friendly producer of these materials. We believe we can compete against China on a, on a cost of production basis 
And we have the added benefit. We're very proud of the fact that we operate in the state of California. So you can imagine the, the, you know, the intense environmental restrictions. Um, we recycle our water. So we use one twentieth of the water that an equivalent operation would use in China. Uh, we have all of these attributes that would mean nothing to somebody who's not aware of the technicals of, of mining and materials processing. Um, but suffice to say, a lot of capital went into this site. Um, and, uh, and so the Chinese currently dominate the industry. This is a multi-billion dollar supply chain. Our vision at MP Materials is to restore um, you know, an American presence to create a true Western Hemisphere leader of the rare earth materials supply chain so that, you know, right now we, by the way, Tim, right now we do represent 15% of the global industry. That's the power of the site that we have, the scale that we have. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and that went from a standstill, so, just to give you an idea. So how, so how can you do this in a cost-effective way? Because, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been to China before and, and the, the country certainly doesn't have the same labor laws or anywhere close to labor laws that we have in the United States, environmental regulations. I mean, California leads the country in terms of, of, uh, among the strictest environmental regulations. How do you do, how do you compete with China given the challenges that you have just being in the United States where you have all the restrictions that China doesn't have? Yeah, it's well, it's a challenge, but we have the good fortune of having what we believe is the best rare earth ore body in the world. So the 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 actual you know geology gives us an advantage. Um, we also operate um, very efficiently, and we have to be maniacal. Um, you know, not not to make a comparison, but I think when when you know Tesla start when Elon Musk started making Teslas, people thought that they couldn't get cost down to compete. Right? It takes it takes time. But what we've been able to do, um, going from uh, a standstill three years ago, we we had eight people. We were in care maintenance. Today we have 250 American citizens working hard on that site. Um, we're producing 15% of the global supply. And and just to give you an example of, of the gains that we've made, if you compare our production versus the predecessor entity that went bankrupt. We're producing, you know, uh, the number we've released is roughly 2.6 times the amount of product on a medium basis than they did in their best months prior to their bankruptcy um, at a significantly lower cost. Uh, and so we've really turned around this site um, and, and uh, we just need to continue to maintain um, our low costs. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, we, we have to compete. Uh, it's, it's hard, but, um, we do it through being maniacal about costs and being true owner operators. One thing that you've but, but to in the past, question, Jim, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, no, the, the, the Chinese industry has a heavily subsidized cost of capital. Um, and mm -hmm. so we are, you know, American, right. We're free market, we're a private company. Uh, and so I do think in some of these industries, if we want to, and we must keep our free market values, uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to lower the cost of capital for American companies competing in some of these industries so we can have a level playing field against Chinese competition. Right. That's a, it's a really good point. And, and certainly rare earth production in China is not the only uh, state subsidized industry. You can see it far and wide with Chinese companies. But it, it raises the question of something that you've talked about in the past, these materials being central to defense and, and, and keeping uh, America safe. Do you or are you able to get any support from the U.S. government to help offset some of the costs because you argue that this is a national security issue? So um, we've publicly stated uh, that we signed a, 
contract with the Department of Defense um, on July 10th uh, that um, we won a, 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 a grant. Uh, and I can't really discuss anything beyond that. Um, but certainly, I, I, I think it's fair to say that the Department of Defense is very aware of our site. Um, and and um, we really are the, the sort of thought leaders and the best hope for what will be uh, a domestic rare earth industry. You'll hear headlines here and there of some other companies in a variety of, of uh, states. Um, but when you look at the economic realities, uh, any of these other sites, just as an example, our ore body is 8% rare earths. Those are typically 1% or 2% if they're lucky. And so they're billions of dollars and many years off from competing um, to, to actually produce. And even if they did have those billions in years, um, their cost of production would be substantially above ours. And so I think the message that we're really trying to convey is the, the actual, the U.S. has a rare earth industry. It's MP materials. Um, we are 15% mm -hmm. of the global industry today. Uh, making, we, admittedly, we make an intermediate product, but our business plan is to continue to reinvest. We've openly committed. We're going to reinvest profits downstream to make separated rare earth products and then ultimately uh, magnets um, so that Tesla, GM, Volkswagen, whomever have the option to buy from a Western hemisphere, an American company. Because, uh, you know, right now, if you, you, like I said before, if you buy your, your Tesla odds are very high, I think almost 100% that the magnet inside that motor came from China. So how do we, how do we, at what point do we get to the, uh, the period of time when the magnet inside the Tesla comes from California. Yeah. Well, so the these supply chains, this will take a number of years. They don't move overnight. Um, I, I think as a company, we just have to continue to execute. You know, three years ago, we had no capability in the U.S. And and one thing I sh I didn't touch on before on the on the defense stuff. Um, you know, when you look at the scale that's need, you know, the amount of of material that's needed for defense purposes, we believe that um, when our company is normalized, we should be able to satisfy. Um, DOD's demands, and we're obviously very happy and willing and able to, to contract and, and do business with the U.S. government. We're proud Americans. Um, and so the, that national security piece, just by our company's success, um, should, you know, should be really removed from people's minds. Um, but, but as far as a bigger, broader thing, um, you know, we, over the last three years, we've gone from a standstill to, to making this intermediate product. Um, we've stated uh, by 2022 we'll be making separated rare earths, and then um, you know we will we will, we are simultaneously working very hard. We haven't put um, an official target on it, but we are working very hard towards continuing downstream, uh, adding the people and making the investments to ultimately make the magnets here uh, in the United States. Uh, I'm wondering how politically uh, exposed you might be. Given President Trump's America First narrative and, and aggressive trade tactics with China, for you, would a Trump win be more advantageous to MP Materials than a than a Biden win, or do you sort of not see a difference well, between the two? The good news is, yeah, the good news for us is that I think we're one of the very few nonpartisan key pieces of of sort of the the major themes out there, if you will, in the sense that. Um, I think the one thing that, that President Trump and, and Vice President Biden are running against the most more so than each other is, is you know, China and Chinese competition and job, Americans losing jobs, um, that we are in sort of this, you know, at, at a minimum extreme competitive situation with China and potentially a Cold War 2.0. Um, and so 
if I think President Trump is pretty clear that, that um, they want to return our supply chain home. And I think um, Vice President Biden is also pretty clear that, in fact, he put did an announcement. Um, I, I guess that was yesterday about um, about, uh, you know, getting tax benefits for getting jobs here. And so both candidates are on record of onshoring. Um, and, and obviously, Vice President Biden's push for a climate change plan would accelerate electrification. So that would be very positive for electric vehicles and wind turbines and drones and robots. And so I think either I think, frankly, um, either candidate um, would be beneficial to the rare earth industry in the United States. And and that's actually good. We want to be nonpartisan because we really do think who's against onshoring. Right. I mean, we want these jobs in the country. Just as an example, Tim, the, the automotive supply chain. That's the single largest private employer in our country. It's you know roughly estimated to be 10 to 14 million jobs. The Chinese very intelligently have utilized rare earths. They now have the magnets. They have plenty of electric vehicle producers. Um, they want to compete, right? They want the jobs. It's even if you don't view it, it's not it's not necessarily sinister. It's they want the jobs. They've got to feed their people too. And so we as a country have to recognize that we've got to you know we cannot lose our manufacturing base. We want to make sure that if, as we fight climate change and and pursue all these electrification technologies, that that actually American industry leads in those efforts, irrespective of your political view, whether you're a climate change denier or not. I think there's there's really nobody in this country who'd be against more American jobs, right? And so I think that's what we represent. We we are sort of a first of a kind um, company um, uh, that is you know coming to the public markets that's representative of this. Um, newfound push for onshoring and supply chain reliance. And so if MP materials can be kind of a, you know, bright shining star example of um, reliability and supply chain and onshoring, um, you know, regardless of which way the political winds go, we think that's awesome for us. Jim Latinsky, chairman and CEO, MP materials. This has been a fascinating conversation. I learned more about rare earths than I ever thought I would. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It's fun being on the show. Thanks. That's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jim Latinsky. If you're a fan of the podcast, please share it with a friend and leave a review. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Tim Stenovic. And as always, this episode was produced by Mike Teich. We're going to catch you next time on the Voices of Wall Street podcast.